some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin, presented by Redner's Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 1045 Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Say it every night. Blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, back after this show is going to be pretty long, but it's going to be pretty good. I'm going to spend a lot of time with Jeff Schwartz, my good buddy, who I'll be in with... Uh, on Fox Sports Radio on Thursday, as we'll be in for Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage. We're going to talk all about Mariota and Tannehill and the Titans and his article at SB Nation and all the other things going on around the league, including Patrick Mahomes and what happened to him last night. Of course, his brother plays as a right tackle, maybe the best right tackle in football for the Kansas City Chiefs. So we'll get into all of that. But let's talk a little bit about the Titans, and we've got Murphy Fair coming up as well. So it's a busy show. This is going to be a really abbreviated first segment. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now titans obviously in a must-win situation basically they're third in the afc south they're two and four they're playing against a chargers team that's also not really firing on all cylinders a two and four team everything this week has been about marcus mariota and ryan Tannehill and the decision to change quarterbacks but the truth of the matter is this team's going to win on defense. It's not going to win on offense because neither one of these quarterbacks is your long-term future. That's what we talked about on Wednesday night. I said that I believed Marcus when he said he will go to his grave basically believing he gave it all he had. I don't just think he believes that. I think that's exactly what he did. I just don't know that his best was good enough to be at the helm of a Super Bowl contending team. Now, he can get you to the playoffs potentially. He has done it a couple of times in his career. But since the injury, and I don't know if it's just because of that or whatever else you want to say, he's just not the same guy. And he doesn't really look like he believes in himself anymore. Maybe this will spur him on. Hopefully Tannehill's going to know that he's got to get the ball out of his hands. But the Chargers are decimated with injuries as well. And Derwin James being out since the beginning of the year has been, I think, more of a problem than expected. But they can get to the quarterback a little bit, and that's going to cause some trouble. But Tennessee can win this game because their defense has been so good. 15.3 points per game given up this season. They're going to have to keep that up because even if Tannehill's in the game, I don't think anybody thinks that the the Titans are going to put up 40 on Sunday. Maybe they will. Maybe they will shock us. But the offensive line has flat out not been good. Keith Carter, I'm sure his name's going to be mentioned more and more as the season goes along, the offensive line coach for the Titans. And usually if your offensive line coach is being mentioned, it's probably not for a positive reason. But Derrick Henry, they've got to find a way to get him the football and give him space to operate. Because you give him any space and he gets that motor moving downhill, he's incredibly difficult to stop. 
but he hasn't been a big enough factor, and I don't think it's on him. I think he's been what we expected and thought that he was going to have to be for this team, but no one respects the passing game. It's not just all a lack of weapons. Like, there have been some guys out there for fewer snaps than you would expect. Delaney Walker's been out there for less than half the snaps this season, and he's been a little bit dinged up here and there as well. And then, of course, you've got a rookie in A.J. Brown, who's the guy that I look at and say, well, that guy might have the most potential on the team, including Corey Davis, who's still just kind of out there. Maybe Tannehill will find him. First thing that Tannehill did when he came in against Denver was throw an out route, which is something Mariota basically just can't do. Maybe that's going to do things. Maybe he's going to be able to put the ball where Corey Davis can catch it and maybe throw him open. But he's 31 years old, and if he was that good, Miami probably would have kept him. What he is is a very capable backup who can potentially win a couple of games when things are right around him. And things can be right around him. You've got a good running back. You've got a great defense. There are things that will work here. This is probably going to be a close game, which means you've got to make your field goals. You can't turn the football over. You've got to be smart out there without any doubt pretty much at all times. What do I think is going to happen? I tend to think that the Chargers win, but I'm going to flip and say the Titans get this one done, not just because they're rallying around what all is happening. I just don't think the Chargers are very good, and them coming west to east in this situation just – I feel like they're going to show up and play a really lethargic game and end up going back two and five. And that AFC West is just, I have no idea at this point. I think people thought it was going to be better. Mahomes going down, certainly a big deal. We'll talk to Jeff Schwartz about that and get his thoughts on the Titans playoff chances. You heard me on Wednesday. I think the season is over, but I think they're going to get this win on Sunday, probably in an ugly game because that's what Tennessee does. They play boring, ugly football. Titans hosting the Chargers, and we'll see how it goes with Ryan Tannehill. I've got Jeff Schwartz coming up the end of the program. Murphy Fair coming up next segment. But we bring in our good friend Tom Duggan, DTC Sports at Owl Stadium in Carthage, I believe it is tonight, Tom. That's correct, Jason. You know, they call it the hole, and there's a reason for that. If you've never been to Smith County High School, well, the high school kind of sits up on a hill, and then it just all kind of rolls downhill into this big hole, and that's where the football field is, and then it kind of goes back uphill again. So, yeah, Jason, for those that have never been to Owl Stadium, it's one of those places you've got to experience at least once. Smith County, Cannon County. I have not visited. I don't think I've even been to Carthage before, so I need to put that on my bucket list. I was thinking I need to get to Baton Rouge for a night game at LSU one of these days. I guess I need to add Owl Stadium. Maybe not quite the same environment, but should be a lot of fun. I tell you, you get an Owl Stadium game with Gordonsville in town, and uh, you might you might just think you're in Baton Rouge. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of those big football rivalries. It's a great one. But tonight, Jason, we've got a Region 4-3A showdown between Smith County and Cannon County. Now we're talking playoffs, and we're talking about two teams that have a lot on the line tonight. Smith County, they're trying to get a home playoff game. If they win tonight, they're in pretty good position to claim the number two seed out of Region 4-3A. That would give them second place in the final standing and a home playoff game in the first round. That's what they're shooting for. So a lot on the line for them. But on the other side, Cameron County has not made the playoffs since 2009. They need at least one win in their last two region games. So they've got tonight here at Al Stadium. Then week 11, they'll take on Grundy County. They need to win one of those last two to get in the playoffs, at least one of them. Possibly both. So a lot on the line tonight between the Owls and the Lions. Last year, the two teams kind of in a similar scenario where the, the, the playoffs were on the line. Smith County eked out a five-point win 
in the closing seconds. So it's going to be a big-time atmosphere tonight. So people at home tonight, you can watch your game. It's DTC3.TV. Again, DTC, the number three, dot TV. Jason, there will be a big crowd here, but uh, for folks that can't make it tonight, and, hey, I tell you, tonight's going to be a perfect night, though, to get out and watch some high school football. Perfect football weather tonight. All righty, Tom. Enjoy the broadcast tonight. Good luck to you guys. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. That's Tom Duggan coming up next. Murphy Fair, still to come. Jeff Schwartz finishing up the program. We'll talk a lot of NFL with him, including Mariota, Tannehill, and Patrick Mahomes and what that means for the AFC. That's all still to come on the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience as always. Also blessed to have this guy with me every Friday. And he is presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. He is Murphy Fair. We talk high school football every Friday at this time. Murphy, I know you stayed home last week. There was some weather. It was not a great night to be out. Tonight, though, looks like a great, great evening to go out and enjoy some high school football. It is football weather for sure. 34 degrees at my house in Cannon County this morning, and it won't miss that very much next or tomorrow morning. So uh, there will definitely be some football weather all across the state tonight. Uh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I still can't believe it. I was saying this to Tom Duggan uh, in the last segment, the tail end, that we're two weeks away from the end of the high school football regular season. I mean, I, I don't feel like we've been talking very long. I know this has been kind of a busy several weeks for me, so maybe it's just kind of all blown by as part of the blur of my life. But past that, high school football, college football, pro football, these are short seasons. And all of a sudden you look up and they're halfway gone, and now we're way past halfway, uh, and we're just now looking at who's going to win these regions and who's going to be positioned best for the postseason. Yeah, it's hard to believe the playoffs begin three weeks from tonight. But uh, I, too, have talked to lots of folks, uh, young folks, middle-aged folks, old folks. You know, they say time goes by a whole lot quicker when you after you pass 50. Uh, but even the young people I talk to say time is, is flying by. And I'm still, October's more than halfway gone. I'm still trying to figure out where September went. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at some of the matchups, well, actually – we can start with last night. There were several games being played across the area, but really only one that, that stood out, and that was East Nashville going down. Uh, Stratford getting them, and that was a game that, as you looked at the start of the week, Stratford was 5-2, and two, East Nashville 6-1. and one. It was going to be a, a heavyweight clash, but at the same time, I still think that's that's sort of an upset in some people's minds, and now East Nashville, they've got some work to do, and it might still not get them where they want in terms of where they're going to finish before they get to the postseason. No, in all likelihood, that puts uh, East Nashville in third place. And I, I, I'm thinking that's where the Eagles are going to wind up because they've already lost Pearl Cone. Pearl Cone has already defeated Stratford. Uh, so five and, or excuse me, six and two are East Nashville and Stratford overall. But more importantly now, Stratford three and one, East Nashville two and two with only one regional game left, East Nashville Still must uh, take on Republic, and Stratford has to play White's Creek. And you got to figure East Nashville and, and Stratford will win those games, respectively. But uh, a little bit of a shocker in that 14-7 Stratford win last night. And uh, Spartans getting it done. You know, they made that. They went into the playoffs last year two and eight, 
and went very deep into the playoffs and uh, had a lot of kids coming back. So it looks like Stratford's for real and maybe got a chance to put on another postseason show like they did last year. I think you can make an argument for several games that, that might be the one that you're paying attention to most. But let's start out with 6-1 and one Brentwood, 3-4 and four Franklin. That might be the consensus best game of the week. I think, again, there's a couple others that we'll speak of that, that maybe you could say that one is. But this is a huge game. Region 6-6A, uh, Brentwood pretty much clinches the top seed if they get a win tonight. They've been very good. They've won the last two uh, in this particular series. And this is, and you know this better than most, one of those rivalry matchups where until you see the final score, uh, you might not want to get too excited about what's going to happen because rivalries tend to not follow the script. Well, in, in some instances, it's yeah. pretty easy to say just throw the records away. I, uh, I would like to think that might be the case in this one, but I think Donnie Webb's Franklin Rebels have really got their work cut out for them. Brentwood has shown uh, themselves to be one of the one of the better teams all across the state in 6A this year. They knocked off Independence, excuse me, knocked off Ravenwood. Uh, you know, two or three weeks ago where nobody else has been able to do that this season. Uh, Brentwood playing for first place or to hold on to first place and and probably secure it with a win tonight. And that gives them uh, home field not only in the first round of the playoffs, but probably multiple rounds thereafter. Franklin, on the other hand, uh, desperately needing to win if they're going to stay in the in the race for a postseason bid. They've got Dixon County left on their schedule, but Franklin one and two in the league right now, Centennial one and three, uh, and, and Dixon County winless in the in the region. So Franklin really needs to win either tonight or, or against Dixon County in the regular season finale if they're going to uh, get into the postseason, I'm afraid. Murphy Fair, our guest here on the Big Six, as he is every Friday at this time, undefeated Patriots of Oakland hosting 5-2 and two Riverdale uh oakland has won what seven in a row but this is a huge rivalry game it's always one to pay attention to it's going to be tough for riverdale no question about that oakland's extremely good as they pretty much always are but our eyes are still going to be on this one should be one of the better matchups uh at least just in terms of ones that are going to have a, a great atmosphere tonight well back when there were only two teams in murfreesboro playing in the state's largest classification it was known as the Battle of the Borough. Now, with Siegel and Blackman also there in the city limits of Murfreesboro, it's lost a little bit of its luster. But there's still a lot of people here that think the Oakland-Riverdale game is the game in Rutherford County every year. And uh, Black, or excuse me, uh, Oakland's kind of had their way uh, with Riverdale of late. Uh, but Riverdale's a team that has showed uh, some shades of brilliance this year. And... Uh, you just never know which one of the Riverdale teams are going to show up. Uh, Oakland, probably a, a three or four touchdown favorite in that one and probably a, uh, a an easy pick to go ahead and win the region after tonight. They've got two more regional games, Coffee County and Warren County, uh, and those two teams generally somewhat of the cellar dwellers, if you will, in that particular region. Uh, but there'll be a lot of people attend the game just because it is such a big game and has so much uh, great history to it. Seven and one Summit, six and one Shelbyville hosting Summit tonight. Both of them with a chance uh, to host a five A playoff game. Probably the loser not going to be able to do that. Two pretty good records. Two pretty good football teams. That 
probably means you're going to have a close game that tonight right here on 104.5 The Zone when we're giving out the final scores here in a few hours once these games are played, that one's probably not going to be more than about a touchdown, whichever way it goes. Oh, I agree. Two very good football teams. I got to see Shelbyville play last Thursday night uh, against 6A Centennial in Shelbyville, even though the score may not have indicated that they pretty well dominated the ball game, especially in, uh, or excuse me, Page uh, uh, did that. But Shovel uh, is still a very good football team at six and one. Uh, Summit at seven and one, both with one loss. Uh, and interestingly enough, that loss for both teams was to Page High School. Everybody chasing the Patriots right now. They closed it out with Columbia tonight, then Lincoln County and Franklin County. And I, you got to figure Page is going to go ahead and win the region and be five and zero, oh, nine and one going into the playoffs. But those two teams you ref, referenced, along with Columbia Central, battling for that other home field advantage game in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and I think, like you said, it's uh, it's one of those games that's got potential to go into overtime and certainly should be a close one. So you go ahead and watch, and it'll probably be a three touchdown ball game. Mount Juliet, uh, Mount Juliet and Oak Ridge. And you were telling me earlier in the afternoon that that's just not a place that you get to very often, but it's a fun place to go. I've only gone to one game there. I called one game for television there. Fun place to go. Beautiful facility. Uh, that does coach Trey Perry and, and his dad kind of manage there. His dad, uh, the head coach at Mount Juliet before he retired in Tennessee. And now he's coaching in Kentucky, but, uh, a non-league game, but one of those, you know, where both of those teams kind of dominate their respective classifications and uh, had to travel a little farther than they wanted to to, to get a full 10-game schedule. And Joe Gaddis, a lot of folks here in the Mid-State will remember Joe because he, he's coached at Tullahoma. He's coached at Henry County, uh, a, a very well-known name in coaching circles. And I always enjoy getting to see one of his teams play. It's a little far to go to uh, Oak Ridge from here. So with them playing kind of in the backyard, maybe in the front yard <laughs> here in the Middle Tennessee, it gives me a chance to go see the Wildcats play. They're four and three. Mount Juliet's five and two, so they're pretty close record-wise. But I think most people figured uh, neither team would have as many losses as they have this season right now. Murphy, hopefully it's a good one, man. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Have a good one yourself. That's, yeah, that's Murphy Fair, presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. When we come back, my good buddy Jeff Schwartz, he will be with me for the rest of the program. We will talk a whole lot of NFL with him. Stick with us here on the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Murphy Fair on 104.5 The Zone, presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. So. Welcome back in Big Six, finishing up your Friday here on 104.5 Zone. Thanks to Murphy Fair, talking high school football. Still unbelievable that we're only two weeks away from the end of the regular season in high school football. It feels like it just started. Football is the shortest season, and that is just obnoxious as hell, quite frankly. We bring in Jeff Schwartz, not obnoxious, host of the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast on the Athletic Network. You'll hear him with me uh, a week from, well, I guess six days now on Thursday in for Clay Travis on Outkick to Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. 
Jeff, I'm not going to ask you for inside information that you obviously would not share about Patrick Mahomes. That drove me nuts last night watching that on Twitter. People were like, oh, well, his brother plays for the Chiefs, so let's see what he'll tell us. As if you would actually tell information if you got it. <laughs> and my dad texted me today. My dad's in Israel, by the way. He just left Israel. First mm. time ever in Israel. He texted me today. He's like, yeah, you talked to Mitch. Um, how's Pat doing? I'm like, Dad, first of all, Mitch doesn't know how Pat's doing because Mitch is on a vacation. He is out of town. He went to give up their office weekend. He left Kansas City. And first of all, like Pat's not telling him right away. Like no one's telling like I don't know if there's a, some people think there's like some big text chain where everyone shares their injury information. The first thing Mitchell learned from it will be from Twitter probably or from or from the trainer that tells I don't know like how he learns about it, but yeah, and Mitch first of all, he would might may or may not tell me, but uh, I purposely do not ask him for stuff. Because, like, I want to talk about the Chiefs in my own voice. And even though the Chiefs fight already think Mitch tells me everything, um, he does not. Like, I just like to talk about them as I would normally. Uh, every other team, uh, every now and then I ask him for stuff, but I really don't ever use it on the air. Um, I definitely don't ask him about personnel decisions. Like, hey, who's starting this week? Is Tyreek Hill playing? Because he kind of doesn't even know, and nor do I really care to know. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to that. I don't know if you're like me, but ever since I've actually become a radio host and a writer, honestly, I don't read and or listen to nearly as much anymore for, for very similar reasons in that I don't want their opinion to all of a sudden become mine and inadvertently plagiarize my own takes. And then secondarily, I guess maybe there's a little bit of a pride factor in that I kind of like to be in my own world as if I'm the only one that can do this. I've tried to kind of put that out, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I totally get that. Like, you don't need Mitch Schwartz's take on the Kansas City Chiefs. You need Jeff Schwartz's take as an observer, as neutral as you can be to what the Chiefs are doing, because that's what you're paid to do now. That's what you are. You're in the media, so you have to find a way to be objective. I mean, I know it's tough for Troy Aikman when he's calling Cowboys games. I get that, but your takes need to be germane to you and not just be regurgitated information. Yeah. I, I like listening to some, some podcasts some sports podcasts and typically they're either not around football or they're after I've given my take on the subject. So I can kind of like hear what other people think. I mean, there's, there's opinions I value. Plus I think, yeah. and, and this is true. I mean, there's styles of radio that I like to listen to because I, I want to either emulate that style because it's successful. And I, I try to pick up, you know, bits and pieces. But I, I told you, I think there's a famous broadcaster. I don't know who it was, who says he never listens to anyone else ever. Like, he – might. I don't think it was Vince Scully, but someone said, like, they're like, do you listen? He goes, no, I listen to nothing. I call my game, and that's it. I don't listen to anyone else call games. If I watch a TV, it's on mute. I don't want to hear anyone else call a game. I just want to do it my own way because I don't want their voice to be my voice. I forget who did that, who said that, uh, but it makes total sense because you want to have an authentic voice. And it's okay to have the same opinions as other people, um, which I think we often have, but we do yeah. it in our own unique way. So that, that, that's the important part is you want to have – and that's what I do with the Chiefs. I try to have my own takes. And, yeah, I, I know people there, and I talk but, – but what I say about them often is not the same as them. Like, I would trade Tyreek Hill, not now with Pat Hurt, but I would, I would trade him for Jalen Ramsey in a heartbeat, um, which is – I would think the Chiefs disagree with me, but that's my own thought and opinion on that. You were right, right. Well, what you're saying about the podcast, I mean, I do too. I mean, I there are a few that are, to me, indispensable. I enjoy your cast, and I really – I listen to Robert Mays and Kevin Clark pretty much any time they do anything. 
because I just get a great deal of enjoyment out yeah. of it. And then you just have to be careful to cite them. It's almost like a bibliography on my show. I cite them so often, and Scott Kazmar, Football <laughs> Outsiders as well. You just yeah. don't want it to always be, well, here's what I saw Robert Mays say. But I know that that's what a lot of this is. And speaking of which, this is what Robert Mays tweeted earlier this afternoon. My belief is that Kansas City should park Mahomes on the bench through their Week 12 bye. Gives him six weeks to rest, and Oakland has Green Bay, Houston, and Detroit over that stretch. They'd still have the inside track in the division when he comes back. Home field likely not feasible anymore. The road to the Super Bowl goes through New England. A first-round bye still in play, but I'm not sure that pursuit is worth having the MVP at anything less than full strength. And then he says he thinks if he was betting now, the Texans would end up the number two seed in the AFC. They already have a tiebreaker over the Chiefs as well. So when you hear that, how do you feel about Mays' theory there? Because I think he's the only one I've seen that says he would park him that long, even though it looks like the prognosis has him maybe being back in three weeks. Yeah, Therese Taylor, who writes for Yahoo, who covered the Chiefs forever in Kansas City, kind of wrote the same thing this morning. He said, look, um, you know, if there is all any long-term damage that can happen if Pat, if Pat plays this year, you don't play him. And look, generally speaking, this is what I've gathered from this injury, just like listening to, to Dr. David Chow talk about this or a couple other people that I trust, medical opinions, is that, you know, it, 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 that that patella will, will keep dislocating until it gets fixed. It's going to have to be fixed. It's just a matter of when you do it. You're going to do it now, obviously, or after the season. And it's a matter of in, uh, pain management. And then if, of course, he did some ligament damage, which is, it's appears that he doesn't have any ligament damage. So it, it really depends on, on how you feel if you're the chief. Like, hey, do we let him rest, you know, six weeks, like May says, four weeks, three weeks? Um, is the swelling going down? Is there stability in his knee? How is he feeling in practice? I mean, it very well could be that four weeks from now, the chief decided, look, he's getting a surgery now, and we're getting ready for 2020. I mean, it could, it could be one of those things where we just don't know maybe week in and week out how it's going to be, but it sounds like he will have to have surgery at some point. It's just a matter of when that is, um, and a lot of it depends on their season. If they lose the next three or four games, are you going to put him in? Because they go – the Packers and Vikings at home, they go to the Titans and have the Chargers on Monday night four weeks in a row. So, if pass out those four games, they lose all four of them. You know, they're now five and six. Um, even if they go three and one, they're six and five. Are you, are you going to bring him back to push for, you know, the four seed or right. five seed or six seed? So, I don't – I think there's some real questions here about what the Chiefs ought to do. And if I would lean on the side of caution, um, because look, this is the thing about it is, is I never thought the Chiefs would beat the Patriots this year. I thought the Patriots would win the Super Bowl again. So the Chiefs not winning the AFC is not something that is out of my mind. I thought they weren't going to win anyways. So there's a lot of people that have to come to the realization that 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 probably wasn't going to happen anyways. And so having a healthy pat in 2020 is more important than trying to push through an injury-riddled season this year when the Patriots are just better right now. Well, what you say about the Patriots? And Jeff Schwartz is our guest here on the Big Six. You'll hear him uh, on Thursday with me hosting for Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. you hear the first hour live before the wake-up zone takes over. What you said about the AFC and the Patriots in general, I mean, I agree with. Outside of the Patriots, who can you even trust right now? What does this mean for the AFC? Like, I mean, obviously it's bad for the league because you want to see somebody this dynamic and this fun to watch out there. But the Chiefs and the Patriots were kind of the two teams you were looking at, even though the Chiefs had fallen on a couple of losses and all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes looked, well, maybe not super heroic, but certainly still fantastic. 
But now what does this mean? Because you don't look at anybody else in the AFC and say, I can trust that team other than New England, right? No, I'm with you here. I don't think you can. I mean, look, look, look at Houston, right? So I, I think they lose the Colts this weekend, first of all. Um, in, in, in he's off a bye. Do you trust Bill O'Brien to lead his team to New England to win a playoff game? New England hasn't lost a home playoff game in nine years, by the way. And when they've lost those playoff games, there was the Jets and the Ravens, and they had great defense. Right. Houston doesn't strike me as a great defense. And look, I know people have said the Patriots have played nobody through their defense is legit. It's really good. That, it, that does not matter. Um, and you look at, at who? The the Bills? The Bills are not going to Foxborough winning a playoff game. No. Who, the Raiders? The Raiders are not. The Chargers are not. The Colts are not. I and mean, there's no team besides the Chiefs who could have a really good game that go into Foxborough and win. So, unfortunately, uh, I think it's pretty much a done deal unless, of course, Brady gets hurt. Um, and look, I think the Chief, I think the, the Patriots, I should say, well, they'll make a move to get themselves a wide receiver. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders in Denver. Um, they'll find a way to get themselves a couple players they need. Ben Watson is back at tight end, which will help them a little bit offensively. Um, and yeah, look, the NFC though is is wide open. So at least we have one conference where um, I don't know if there's a, a great favorite right now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of flawed teams in the AFC. I want to ask you about Mario and Tannehill, but I'll wait until the final segment to actually lead off of that question. But I will ask this question. Do you think that it's arguable that the Tennessee Titans are the worst team in the AFC South right now, despite the fact that two of the quarterbacks in that division, the starters, are Jacoby Brissett, who's still really getting himself into that job, and Gardner Minshew, uh, at least for right now, in Jacksonville, even with Jalen Ramsey leaving town. The Titans probably the fourth-best team because I don't think they have a quarterback right now. Probably, but Gardner Minshew is kind of, you know, he had a couple first early games. He's kind of not been the same guy the last couple of weeks. Um, but Jacksonville's defense is probably a little better than, than Tennessee's. Um, I just trust Gardner Minshew in, like, a close game. I don't trust Tannehill or Mariota. So, yeah, the Titans are probably, um, you know, the, the fourth-best team. And, look, the Colts, I, I had said um, when Andrew Luck got hurt, I think they're still winning nine games. Um, uh, Brissett can play. I really trust the coaching staff. They've built a, a highly talented young roster. Um, and uh, they own they own the they own the Titans um, obviously as as we know because Clay has refused to ever attend yeah another another Titans Colts game uh, so I don't believe um, that either I don't of course I don't believe that um, he'll be there next year yeah. with his with his Titans with his Mariota or his Tua Tonga Mailoa jersey on whoever is the quarterback next year um, in Nashville. Yeah, well, he's got a shirt. I saw him the last game, and he says, "Oh, I wear this anytime it's warm enough." It's like a Titans branded Hawaiian shirt. It looks just as terrible as you think. It looks just as terrible as you think. Very, it's very like Southern forty-year-old yes. national man. Yeah, he shouldn't tweet it out because yeah. he'd get killed. He gets killed every time he tweets out anything <laughs> about his wardrobe. No question about that. <laughs> All right. We'll finish up with Jeff Schwartz. we got another segment with him coming back on the other side, and we will get a lot deeper into this Titans quarterback situation. Jeff wrote about Mariota today for SB Nation. Of course, Jeff also played at Oregon. He's a Ducks alum, so definitely stick around for that. Plus, a lot more NFL headlines. What's wrong with the Cowboys, and how bad are the Atlanta Falcons? All that's still to come here on the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Big Six here on 104.5, the zone final segment of the week. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renters Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can 
rent it. Coming up next, football Friday night, then Friday night finals. High school coverage will take you all through the evening. They do an awesome job. Stick with us here on 104.5 Zone. You can hear me tomorrow afternoon with Joey Kent on the Tennessee Tailgate Show. I say afternoon. It's going to be a little bit of late afternoon because really late kick in Tuscaloosa for Tennessee, Alabama. We'll get you all set for that. But Jeff Schwartz is with us. Uh, he was with us last segment as well. Played at Oregon, of course, played in the NFL for eight years as well. We talked a little bit about the Titans to end that last segment, Jeff, but as it relates to Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. So here's where I really want to ask you, because obviously you know Oregon very well, and you still cover the Pac-12 incredibly closely. You see Mariota on Sunday. You see Ryan Tannehill come into that game. That's been the debate all week. Vrabel has said he's going to go with Ryan Tannehill it seems to signal the end of the Mariota era because it's basically telling him, look, we don't have faith in you long term. Now, who knows? I still think Mariota probably plays again before the end of the year. And I don't think anybody thinks that Tannehill is a savior. But what do you think about Mariota's quote from a couple of days ago where he said, till the day I die, I will think that I gave it all that I had? Because my take on it Wednesday on my show was I believe a hundred percent not only that he thinks that but that that's absolutely true i just don't know that his best is good enough on an nfl level to carry a team to a super bowl for example well i think that's the bait and i wrote about this for sb nation uh, i think it came out this morning you know i i just i think an injury to marcus Mariota in 2016 um just kind of not 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 consciously but kind of subconsciously kind of zapped some of the superpowers from because i think that year you look at his, his his ratings, his his stats, the way he threw the ball downfield. It was the one time in his career he really pushed the ball downfield. He's able to run with his legs. And he just kind of never regained that same kind of superhero type athleticism. He he had it, but he just never really showed it. He stopped throwing the ball downfield as much. He stopped being aggressive. The protection got worse. And then that whole kind of the whole mess of the you know lack of protection sometimes, not trusting your body, not seeing what you think you see, led to some indecisiveness on his part. Didn't help. He had four coordinators in five years. Um, you know, obviously, have three head coaches now. I mean, look, when your head coach gets fired your rookie year, that's a sign of a bad organization, right? Because if they if they trust your you know Ken Wisdom to draft Mariota, they should trust him to keep that job afterwards. And I just think he he never got. Not, equal is the wrong word because I think he's got a fair opportunity, but he just I, I think that injury really zapped some from him and then the coaching and the, the pass protection. But I think really to your point, because, yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy or ever will be that guy or was that guy ever. Um, and it's okay. Look, I, I, don't, I don't consider him a bust. I mean, he made the playoff twice and won a playoff game. Um, he'll probably sign somewhere next year and, and be a, a priority backup somewhere, maybe start somewhere, and maybe he rejuvenates his career. But yeah, he's probably not good enough to to be a, um, a you know a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, there's not many of them, but you're probably right about that. So I've heard this sort of speculated and just kind of questioned as to how much of this is the organization's fault because that's the thing in Nashville. Because and and I actually was I did a radio hit in Knoxville yesterday and they asked me about it and I said. Man, this would be so much easier, and it wouldn't be nearly as big a debate if Marcus Mariota was a jerk. But unfortunately, he's not. He has all-time character <laughs> yeah. attributes. He's in incredible yeah. intangibles. Everybody loves him. Even his opponents absolutely love him. There was a story about A.J. Brown, the, the rookie wideout, who came up crying uh, and, and apologized to him on Sunday in Denver for not giving him more help, like taking it on himself and saying, I'm sorry, we didn't do enough for you. That's what that guy means 
in this locker room. So I, I, I just continue to say, and, and I heard this argument posited that if he was in Tampa Bay, how good would he be? If Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota flip spots, Jameis wouldn't make the Titans any better. But how much better would Mariota make the Bucks potentially because of the weaponry that they, that they have around him? And I think the degree to which you answer that question is the degree that you blame the Tennessee Titans for what's happened to Mariota. So where are you on that? Like, if he was in Tampa, would it be better or would it basically be the same? I think it'd be the same. I think it'd be the same. Um, maybe a little bit better, but not really to the level you thought when you drafted him. I, I, I just... No, I, I don't think it's that much better. Um, I mean, you know, I think maybe if he had Bruce Arians his whole career, who's there now, obviously, uh, he might have had a chance if he had Andy Reid during his career, or or any of these, you know, Doug Peterson or Sean McVay or or Sean Payton, and some of these offensive gurus. Maybe he had an opportunity to be something different. Um, but I also think he came into the NFL like three years too early. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he'd come in the NFL now you know, with the way that offenses are structured and they're structured a little bit more like college. They're not all of them like that. He might have more of an opportunity. But remember, they tried to get him to be a pocket passer, right, and try to be, you know, something he's not, an exotic smash mouth. And just that's not really him. And so um, and it's a, a bunch of combination of stuff. And I hope, you know, he does well. It's really nice. So I, I met him for the first time in 2016, I think, at the, at the San Francisco Super Bowl at the Radio Row. And, I never met him before, and he went to Oregon way after I did. I think yeah. His first year was like 11, and I was graduated in 07. I'd not been back to a game at that point, um, and so I went up to Marcus, and I don't do this very often to, to people I don't know, and I said, hey, Marcus, Jeff Schwartz here, former Duck, just want to say, and, you know, thank you for everything you've done at Oregon. Uh, you know, you won the Heisman there, obviously, and I you know, thanked him and said, good luck in NFL. He said, oh, yeah, Jeff, I know who you are. Nice to meet you, too. And I was like, you don't know who I am, but I appreciate that you were nice enough to pretend. Like, I just, that was very nice of them. <laughs> so, well, who were we more wrong on? Because we talked about how Dallas probably was going to be good. We talked about this on Fox before the season started, and we talked about the Atlanta Falcons, and we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, the Steelers have had some injury issues. The Falcons have a coach issue, and I don't know what else is wrong with them, but that defense is an embarrassment. And now the Cowboys have come really down to earth. Now, they were missing their top two wide receivers on Sunday, but you still can't lose to the Jets in Sam Darnold's first game coming back from mono. And now I see Stephen A. Smith on my television this morning, or I see it via Twitter because I don't watch Stephen A. Smith on my television, saying that the Cowboys have nothing to lose by signing one Antonio Brown. Well, that's fair. They don't have anything to lose. Um, well, look, the Falcons are easily the most disappointing team. I mean, I, they, they have been, and more defensively, I mean, they have been atrocious on defense. Um, and that is Dan Quinn's specialty, right? He is he is um, a defensive mind. And when you're a defensive mind, you, you, you cannot be um, terrible on defense. It would be, would be like Sean Payne being terrible on offense. Like That's your, that's your job. So I think Atlanta, to me, is disappointing. The, Falcon, um, the Cowboys are an interesting one because, you know, their defense hasn't been as good as we thought um, for whatever reason. It maybe age a little bit. Just the passers hasn't been as good. Uh, but then also, offensively, the last three weeks, I know they played better teams, but it looks like Jason Garrett took over the offense again. I mean, no pressure yeah. pass, boring, bland again. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't can't always complain every time Tyron Smith gets hurt or left tackle about, you know, Dak not being very good that week. Kind of tired of that whole game, but nonetheless, um, the Cowboys still have an opportunity to be really good. The the Falcons don't. And you saw that Pittsburgh, 
their defense has been actually played really well, which is what I thought with Devin Bush. But the problem is obviously they have a third string quarterback, so uh, their season's pretty much done. NFC, which should be and still is very interesting for a number of different reasons. The Rams, Jared Goff did not look good on Sunday. But I think maybe the bigger story is that division. Seahawks look really good, even though they've won some close football games, which could have gone the opposite way. But look, a lot of a lot of champions, you have to win some close games to get there. And then the 49ers. I know by like DVOA statistics, they're in the top 10 of football teams all time at this point. Now, their opponents haven't been particularly impressive yeah. all the way throughout. But how good are the San Francisco 49ers right now? And how much of that is Garoppolo? Or could you throw any one of about 14 or 15 quarterbacks into that offense the way that it's set and they'd still be undefeated? Well, I think your other question, I think you could throw in about 12 quarterbacks in that offensive defile. I mean, Shanahan's an offensive genius. He made Matt Ryan the MVP. Um, Jimmy G's been good, but nothing, I wouldn't say terribly special this year, but what's special with the Niners, I wrote about the Sayaxers asked in the mailbag about their chances to, to be contenders, their defense. Um, their pass rush is outstanding, and we, we, we've seen now the last 10 Super Bowl champions, right, whether you're going to the, the Patriots or the Eagles and the Patriots or the Seahawks or the Broncos, right, I mean, their pass rushes are all outstanding. You go to the Giants in, in 11, um, right, it's all about pass rush. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball. The Niners have that. D Ford, uh, Bosa's been fantastic. Buckner, Armstead, Solomon Thomas. Um, but to add, say, to add to that, their secondary, their secondary last year was in the bottom third, near the last in, in the NFL. I think football is on 27th. They're one right now, at least they're passing, they're past defenses, not the secondary, they're past defense in general. Um, so you have one of the best passers in the NFL and one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. They might be related a little bit. Um, that, to me, spells recipe for success, especially in a really tough division uh, like, like you know, the West is. So I think, I think they're for real, Jason. I think that they are a legit contender to win the NFC. If Marcus Mariota was a quarterback for Kyle Shanahan, what would the record be? I'm going to be like 3-2. and two. Mm. That's pretty – that's pretty damning, Jeff. That's, with what you just said about the and defense just, and with what we've seen, I know that's I mean, hard I to say. I just, like, I just, Mariota looks like a player with no confidence. Yes, Agreed. and and you can't you can't play this game without confidence. Like, interesting people talk about. Um, you know, I use Baker Mayfield for example because we talk a lot about Baker yep. and we know Baker. Like, I like the confidence. I'm fine with that. I, I'm fine with cockiness from the quarterback position. Really, anyone in the NFL should have a little bit of, of confidence. And understand that they're a bad human. It's just it's 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 harnessing that cockiness in the positive light. I feel like Baker Mayfield's done it to the detriment of his of his play. And so it's okay to be to have an ego. It's okay to be confident. It's okay to to know what you're doing. Um, and so I just don't feel like Mariota doesn't, or at least hasn't really exuded confidence in my opinion. And so does going to the Niners help? Would, would that help? Maybe, but. I haven't seen it in the last couple of years. And so that's, uh, to me, kind of a, an issue with Mariota. There's no confidence. I don't know if the Shanahan bring it out of him. Maybe, but um, I, I don't, I'm not certain. And Tannehill, you've seen Tannehill. I mean, he's, what, 31 years old now. You kind of know what that guy is. But, and I saw you tweet this on Sunday, and I agree, 
he won't take some of the bad sacks that Mariota has taken. As somebody that, that follows that and watches the offensive line, yeah. I know that you can. the offensive line in Tennessee has been objectively bad. They have not been good this year, but Mariota makes it a lot harder on him because he seems to be unable to throw the football away. That's one thing I think Tannehill can do is get the ball out of his hands, right? Yeah, but you look, the, the, uh, the Times offensive line, great. They're talking on Twitter, though, right? Oh, they're yeah, they're fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, they're really good at that. Um, good podcast, too, right? Good, good podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, in this sense, of, you know, this type of stuff, when, when you lose, that people use against you, right? There's, there's all this extra stuff. Right. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I have to hope that, that Tannehill doesn't take some of these sacks. I mean, the, Mariota, and I broke it down, I think, the nine-sack game against, uh, who's that this year? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. I mean, four of those won, four of those won Mariota. He just, he just didn't get the ball out. And was part of it was scheme. Um, so I have to hope Tannehill understands the ball's got to be out quickly, on time, in rhythm, and if he can do that, he'll avoid some sacks. Well, well, we'll see. I think the season's over for Tennessee. I said that on Wednesday night. I think the loss to Buffalo cost you potentially somebody you're going to be dealing with in a wild card scenario, and now they have a head-to-head win over you, and I just don't sense that the second one's coming from a team I just don't buy into in the AFC South. I do buy into you. I buy into Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. I buy into what you're doing. That piece at uh, SB Nation, I tweeted it out earlier this afternoon, but really good stuff on Mariota there. Looking forward to being back in the saddle with you on Fox on Thursday. Should be fun, buddy. Take care. That's a wrap for the Big Six for this week. Glad to have you as part of the audience, as always. Thanks to Jeff Schwartz. He's at Jeff Schwartz, also Murphy Fair, and Tom Duggan. High school football coverage. Stick with us right here on 104.5 The Zone. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night from Nashville.